Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. It's a problem that even Bible characters faced. Mark chapter 9 tells the story of a man who brought his young son to Jesus, begging for his healing. The boy was possessed by an evil spirit. Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. To which the man responds, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. There it is. Unbelief, doubt, lack of faith. What do we do when we don't even believe in God? Is there any hope for us? Can God still reach us? If so, how does he do it? Let's put those questions to Dr. Tim Jennings, who joins us today via Skype. Dr. Jennings, sometimes it's hard to believe in God. Are we still okay? Is there still hope for us? You know, that's a great question. I love how you, again, organize and frame this today. First thing, if somebody tells you they don't believe in God, my rejoinder is, or to ask them, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. <laughs> okay, all right, yes. And this is an important question, because as they begin describing to you the God they don't believe yeah, in, yeah. in my experience so far, I've always been able to say, well, good for you. I don't <laughs> believe in him either. Because they describe some abusive, dictatorial, vengeful, cruel deity that uh, no one with any right mind should believe in. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is many Christians don't allow for this. I was listening to Christian radio this week, and I heard a uh, person being interviewed on a nationwide platform uh, radio show, and he was criticizing the uh, younger generation, the Xers and the Zs, lack of any type of truth. And he said, uh, when you try to have conversations with them, bring up Jesus, they will say things like, well, my Jesus wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And he goes, but there is only one Jesus, and that's the Jesus of the Bible. And I thought, well, hold on now. Yeah, yeah. Jesus himself said there are many false messiahs that go out into the world. Uh, there are many people claiming to be Christ. If they tell you the Christ is here or Christ is there, don't go. Jesus has a thousand names in Scripture that he goes by. And so m my recommendation is if somebody says my Jesus wouldn't do that— that we begin having a discussion over, well, what would your Jesus do? How does your Jesus behave? How do you understand the character of Jesus and the character of God to actually function? What are his methods? What are his principles? Instead of getting an argument over, well, there's only one Jesus, and instead go down the trail of, well, whether we call him Jesus or not Jesus, what are the differences and why do you see them that way? I think it'd be quite fruitful dialogue to have. There are many views of God within Christianity. Baylor research has shown that within Christianity, some view God as authoritarian, other view him as loving as Jesus revealed, other view him as critical, and, and others view him as unavailable. And so within Christianity, different God constructs are held by people. So I think it's a quite fruitful field to go to ask people this question. And the reason that's important is because many views of God, it's healthier for us to reject than to believe in them. Yes, There are yes, many false yes. and destructive views of God out there. So a person who has rejected a false view of God, and that's the only view they've really ever heard of because that's what they raised with, but they've rejected it. They've actually taken a step toward him, not away from him. Okay, and so so that needs to be validated. And I've had people when I've said that to them, it really stunned them because they're they're used to people believing God, looking down on them, or critical or being negative, never validating them for rejecting the abuse of God that they were raised with. And then that can open door for friendly conversation. 
But what about the faith question? Now, it's interesting in the New Testament, the, the Greek for faith is the same Greek for trust, which is the same Greek for belief. And I noticed how you kind of use them interchangeably there, and you were quite correct to do so. But many of us experience those words different in English, trust, faith, and belief. But in the New Testament, they all really mean the same thing. And everyone has, and when the Bible talks about everyone has a measure of faith, it doesn't mean everyone has a measure of faith in God. It means that everyone yes. yeah, yeah. has faith. And what that means is everyone believes in something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? We all believe in something. Everyone believes in something. It may not be God. So when you say, well, is it okay uh, not to have faith or not to believe? No, everybody has faith. Everybody believes in something. They may believe in the scientific method. They may believe in evolution. They may believe in themselves. They may believe in power. They may believe in their state or their government. They may believe in socialism. But everyone believes. What's not healthy is when we replace a faith or belief in God with anything other than the truth about God. Mm. When you have faith or belief or trust in the truth about God, it's not just a philosophical faith or a philosophical belief or a framework, which people have, it becomes personal because God is a personal being, and our faith includes the perspectives, philosophy, if you will, framework, methods, principles of God and how he runs his universe, but our faith is also in the person who created the universe. So it, it transcends just the principles of God to the person of God. And this is a healthy faith. It really allows us to confront the various stressors of life with a sense of peace and well-being. But those who have replaced a faith in the true God with a faith in a system, I have faith in a payment made to God so he won't kill me, they don't have peace. They actually still live in fear, and they wonder if they've remembered every sin to confess to make sure it got uh, erased, et cetera, et cetera, all the types of things. Or when they have faith in a in a worldview, they don't really have peace either. They have a tremendous amount of fear, and they seek to exert control. We see this happening in the world today right now as we see so many people seeking to get control over various human governments, to put up more laws, to make environmental law, to save the planet, because they're afraid. They're afraid of the future, and they're afraid of global warming or climate change, and they're afraid that they're going to die. And so they try to control everything around them with more coercive pressure on others in order to make themselves feel safe, because the future is scary to them. Those of us who know and love God and and have faith in the biblical worldview, we know that this world is passing away and a new one is coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have the responsibility to be good stewards of God, good stewards of God in governance of ourselves and over whatever domain the Lord has given us responsibility for, whether it's our own home or our own children, or if he's given us a business to run, then we run it as a good steward of God with his principles in harmony with his kingdom. So if we had a business, we wouldn't pollute and, and dump waste someplace to save money. However, we do not get caught into the trap of Satan, where we seek to do justice through Satan's kingdoms of the world. Mm. This is a trap. Or we can have a better world if we just get the right elected officials, the right judges, the right laws, if we can just get the right police forces and the right people arrested and the right people in jail, if we can just stop others from misbehaving, then we can finally have a safe and secure and just world. That's a big lie. It's a fraud. The reality is we do have the responsibility and governance of ourselves to be those good citizens and good stewards and live according to God's will in, in the areas he's given us influence. But it is a trap 
to pursue righteousness and justice through human governments and human legislations. That's the system of the beast. And this is what's going to happen. This beastly system at the end of time is going to arise seeking justice, seeking to make things right. But it's going to do so by passing more and more laws to take more and more freedoms and punish more and more people who won't go along with the current accepted right way of doing things. That is a big trap. And those who have the biblical worldview know that even though we live our lives faithfully to God as good stewards in governance of ourselves and our domains, the world is going to get worse and worse and worse until Christ comes. Now, the big philosophical divide between the biblical worldview and the new earth worshipers called the green movement, they worship the earth and they worship nature instead of God, is that in the biblical worldview, people are more valuable than the planet. And we save people to eternal life because the planet is going to be destroyed and made new by God. In the earth worldview, the green worshipers, the planet is our mother and must be saved and is more valuable than the people. And ultimately, we need to call the population in order to save the planet. Wow. All right. You know, the illustration you gave just prior to what you just now said reminds me of a a story I heard of a coach coaching his football team and they were losing. And at halftime, he told them all to go out there. And then here's what he said, do your part, be the best quarterback you can, the best halfback, the running back, all the the blockers. In other words, don't worry about the guy next to you, worry about you. And that's what I heard you say that make sure that your business is not hurting the planet. Make sure that your lifestyle is not hurting the planet. That sort of reminds me of, of what you said. That's exactly right. And that is our responsibility to bring glory to God and to love our neighbors by living as good stewards and governance of ourselves in the domain. But one of Satan's traps is to get us to look outside of our relationship with God, to see other people, to be angry that they aren't doing their part, to to be angry that they are getting away with something that we didn't get away with. So they're making more money because they're cheating and we're not cheating. And we think that's an advantage and we become envious and we become angry and we become bitter. And then we want to pass laws and we want to punish people. And it's fighting back and forth, back and forth constantly. So when this guy that brought his son to Jesus says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, how did Jesus help him overcome his unbelief? And how did he do it the same for us? Well, in that particular case, what he did is he healed the boy. Yeah, yeah. So he gave evidence in the context of the circumstance that solidified the man's belief in Jesus. And he healed him before he had fixed his unbelief. His healing is what fixed his unbelief. Right, but he had enough belief to pursue a relationship. And so I think people that are are struggling and they're new in their belief in God, God meets children where they are. And I know many children who have lost a toy and they'll pray and they find it. I've had those things in my life. And God is very helpful in very simple ways to help build faith for people. What God doesn't do is he doesn't give demonstration. Mm. When Satan tempted Jesus to jump off the temple and God would send his angels to prove he was the son of God, Jesus basically said, you don't put God to the test. In other words, God does not come down and perform tricks to fit inside our little boxes to demand he do so so that we'll believe in him. This is the classic demand that they made of Jesus, perform a miracle, perform a miracle. King Herod wanted him to perform a miracle. This is like a circus performer. God does not meet us there because this is actually not an exercise of actual faith of an innocent seeking to overcome doubts and insecurities. This is the uh, selfish demands of our sinful nature wanting to put God inside our boxes and make him perform the way we would have him perform. 
Oh, that is so hopeful. So, listener, if you or I have belief and we're saying, but I don't believe enough, I don't have enough, God help me. God is willing to do that if we just keep our eyes and ears open and watch for his help in overcoming. Right, Dr. Jennings? That's exactly right. But uh, the greatest areas he's shown us that strengthen our faith is in all the evidences. Yes, yes. Okay, that he has given us. The evidence in scripture, the evidence in nature, and the evidence in our life experiences. That's the real place. Look through the evidences. Wow. Dr. Jennings, each week you do something very special, and uh, I've seen it on Facebook. You have a Bible study class. Tell us about that. Yes, I do a live Bible study class for one hour every Saturday. It starts at 10.20 in the morning and goes for an hour. And people can go to our website, comeandreason.com, and, and there's a link there. They can go to our Facebook page, or they can even download our free app for their device. And then if they uh, enable pushes, then every time we have a live broadcast, they'll get a little notice that, hey, there's a live broadcast, and they can stream it. And it's a live Bible study class we do every week. And then we have them recorded and posted with my uh, notes on our website and people can go there and get old lessons and they can sign up for our podcast or they can get the mp3s or they can watch the videos and it's just a great resource to help people do bible study on a wide variety of topics we've got these going back more than 10 years so there's topics covering multiple books of the bible as well as other topics like education and christianity and so forth many many helpful resources fantastic bible study class at 10:20 eastern time make sure that's eastern time there on saturday morning for the live program but then you can also look at them as podcast at a later date. I really enjoy them, and I know that you will too, listener. That's at comeandreason.com is the website. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Lots of good material. We appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>